Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. Today's podcast episode is something that I want to take a little bit of time to frame before we get on with it. One of the themes that we're going to investigate for multiple episodes of the podcast is the Atlanta sports market. Atlanta is a fascinating sports market in a lot of ways. It has something of a bad historical reputation in terms of having maybe the worst fans. There's been examples where the old the old stadium where the Falcons played painted yellow or, or gold and black when the Steelers came to town. But there's also some really interesting things happening in sort of current day Atlanta sports with several new world-class arenas, some really interesting fan-first type promotions within the stadiums. I'm thinking about the Arthur Blanks, reduced prices for the food. We're going to, you know, over the next few months or maybe few years, is we're going to talk about this Atlanta sports market that we, living here, that we tend to know very well. Now, this isn't just about Atlanta. This is also, you know, to give you guys a sense of how do you potentially evaluate a sports market no matter where you are. And so for our very first episode, I'm going to bring in one of my favorite former MBA students, uh, J.T. Mason, and we're going to talk about something called what we call the Atlanta Sports Survey, which is something we've done on a, for a couple of years in a row where we actually get all the local teams together, the professional organizations, and go out there and survey the, the city at large. Okay, So with that, on with today's episode. How you doing, JT? Doing great. Thanks sure. for having me. Now, I asked JT to come in for, uh, for a couple of reasons. So JT's been, uh, in a way, JT's been with me for a couple of years as a, as a student in an MBA class on sports analytics, as a TA for the same course, and as a member of the Marketing Analytics Center. And so JT has been involved in, in several things related to the Atlanta sports market. We'll, especially we'll talk about the survey in just a second. The other thing, and I think this is kind of key, is that JT, well, where'd you grow up, JT? I grew up here in Atlanta. Okay, so JT grew up in Atlanta. So, um, so tell me about your tell me about your Atlanta fandom before you became an MBA student. Yeah, so uh, before I came to Emory, I always been an Atlanta sports fan. Pretty much every sport we've had a team in, I've been a fan of. Uh, so, but in particular, the Braves have been at my heart for, since I was probably four years old. Okay, and so yeah, so JT, you grew up in an era then, probably where the Braves went to the playoffs just about every year, right? Yep. So when you think about the Braves, who who do you think about on, in terms of being on that roster? Obviously, the big three of Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox, and then Chipper Jones for sure. Okay, and, and I think that's interesting because it's always to me kind of like a, a touchstone in terms of sometimes I think more in terms of like the player eras than in terms of the mm-hmm. in terms of the years. Now at that time, how were the how were the Falcons? I didn't even remember them being relevant at all in the NFL. So it was pretty much just a Braves town. Just a Braves town. Wasn't Jerry Glanville and was it the Dirty Bird? Yeah, Dirty for Bird. A, yeah, Deion Sanders. I'm forgetting who the running back's name was, but yeah. For a brief. Small Lewis, I think. Andre Risen? Yeah. <laughs> TLC burning down houses. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, the, the Hawks? Dominique Wilkins, uh, but that was pretty much it. There was a little bit of a phase of uh, 
Mookie Blaylock and, and those guys, but it was very short-lived. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dominique Wilkins. I think of Dominique is really like an 80s guy, one of, mm-hmm. the, one of the stars of the NBA. It's the, the human highlight. Was it a human highlight film or human highlight reel? I yep. forget. That's, That's sort of how you, how you came of age. Now, Atlanta's got a uh, – you're an Atlanta guy, but I hate to break it to you. Atlanta's got a – Atlanta's reputation as a sports town nationally is um, – it's not good, is it? And so, what do you know? Whenever I see like a survey, you know, online, it's like, oh, the world's worst, the worst fan bases in America. You used to see in Atlanta on that list. It it hurts to see Atlanta <laughs> on the list for sure, uh, but I, I get it. You know, Atlanta typically runs hot and cold. If if the team is doing really well, the fans show up. But if they're not, they don't. So, bandwagon it, fans. Yeah, bandwagon fans, and it doesn't even matter which sport it is, really. There's a lot of background in this. I think whenever we think about sports market in any town, it's like we almost have to do more of a history lesson than anything else. Mm-hmm. So these Atlanta teams, they're all actually relatively recent. I mean, is your family from Atlanta? Yes. Okay, and so how, how do your parents view the – what kind of fandom do your parents have? I think it's, it's pretty similar to mine, yeah. Are they hardcore or kind of casual? Pretty casual. The Braves, I think, has just been because they were so good for so long. They've just sort of instilled that that strength of fanhood. But yeah, the other teams are very. And I'm just curious. Warm. And so, if you asked your dad who his uh, favorite Brave was, who would he say? Either Hank Aaron or Terry Pendleton. Okay. One of those two. Dale Murphy, maybe. Maybe some Dale Murphy. Okay. Yeah. And and so it's interesting. So your 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 parents were probably in some ways the first generation Atlanta fans in terms of. They may remember them as almost expansion teams, depending on how you know how long your folks have been in Atlanta or how old they are. Do you feel like they transferred some of that to you? Yeah, I, mean, I grew up in Atlanta, so it felt there were a lot of forces that pulled me towards the Braves and Atlanta sports. But yeah, family was pretty pretty important to that particular fandom. Okay, so you watched games. The Falcons were on on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Dad took you to Braves games, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. a very kind of traditional fandom experience. So now as we as we kind of progress, you know, Atlanta's got this kind of reputation as a little bit of a shaky sports fan, front bandwagon fans, front runners, whatever you want to call it. You lived in Atlanta more. And you, I think you actually lived in Atlanta during a time when the population kind of changed a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what 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 is your memories of sort of Atlanta demographics in terms of growth? So it started out pretty central, but it's as I was growing up, the population kept spreading further and further out of the city. How old were you when the Olympics happened? I was eight years old. The, the, the city grew a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And it grew in terms of people, you know, coming to it, Atlanta. You know, as, as you grew up in the area and sort of, you know, were a sports fan and, you know, you, I know you went to college in the area of tech, right? Yep. That you met a lot of people from outside of the area. Mm-hmm. So as you saw these folks coming into Atlanta, what observations do you have about the kind of fans they became or, or did not become? Yeah, so a lot of people from the Northeast and uh, even some people from Florida, they moved up to join me in, you know, in, a, in my undergrad and, and really like after the undergrad. But it, there's a lot of disrespect for Atlanta fans probably because of that sort of hot and cold nature. Oh, that's a great word, disrespect. Yeah. So g- give me an example of how you observe that. One of my friends, they, they're uh, actually big Tampa Bay uh, Bucks fans, and they give uh, – they gave me and my friends that were from Atlanta a lot of grief for not winning a Super Bowl. Okay. And kind of having a big ego about sort of uh, our team was good at the time, but they would keep giving us grief about, you know, you've never won anything and 
as soon as as soon as the Falcons are cold, you know, if they're not good again, you're going to be off the bandwagon. So there was just this stigma that, you know, you were going to be only on on board when the team was good. So I, so I think there's something interesting in here. It's like so if you've got a city with a lot of let's call them transplants, mm-hmm. a lot of people moving in, how do they react to the local sports environment in terms of the the teams at play? And I think that's a really interesting word, disrespect. Almost what I'm hearing in there that they react almost like there's a pecking order of teams. And while we may not think the Tampa Bay Bucks are anything, I don't think we think the NFL royalty, right? No. But at the time, I'm just guessing. At the time, this was probably when the Bucks were with the, Simeon uh, Rice and who was the sorry the big defensive tackle. Oh, uh, Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp, right? So the Warrens was this the Warren Sapp kind of era? Yeah, this is when they were just the dominating defense. Right, and so you know, folks from out of town, because disrespect is interesting because it is almost like I'm looking down on the Atlanta sports fan, mm-hmm. and so people from the Northeast, similar kind of disrespect. Yeah, you know, obviously New England fans have their their own personas. Uh, I mean, they're they're very passionate about their teams and sort of they stick to their guns all the time and they just sort of what they've seen from Atlanta in the past tells them that you know they expect every Atlanta fan to be the same way that's a, that's a, that's an I think that's a that's a great observation so you know I, I think a lot of times in Atlanta we think well the problem with the city in terms of sports is the transplants right it's like so if I come in from out of town maybe I'm not going to be a huge fan because I've already got a I already have a team that I root for right but uh, this is an interesting observation in that, well, maybe there's something even more to it that if I come from, okay, so if I come from Boston, we're talking the NFL, they're Patriots fans, right? Mm-hmm. Patriots are somehow above the Falcons in the hierarchy of teams. Yeah. I suppose if I move from Dallas, same type of thing. Same thing, yeah. If I move from Chicago, same kind of thing. Probably, yeah. And that's interesting, right? So, because the Bears, have the Bears had any success? Not lately. <laughs> Since 1985, right? <laughs> but but I somehow it, it is a you know that maybe is there something like classier and that's that's got to be the wrong word, but is there something more meaningful about being a fan of? I I, mean, I hate to go to the marketing language, but like a high brand equity team. <laughs> so, it, is it better to be a Cowboys fan than a Falcons fan? I mean, define better. Well, would... do they act like it? They do. They definitely act like they're even when their team isn't good. That they're somehow worth more than, than the Atlanta fans. Yeah. Okay. And, and so it, this is an interesting thing because it's almost like fans making judgments about other fans and therefore about the teams. It's almost like the team and the fan base are linked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the other thing that the other reason why I wanted JT on is that over the last couple of years we've done a really interesting uh, class project. I know class project sounds kind of. Sounds kind of lame as I as the words come out of my mouth, but can you tell the folks what what we did in the class with the with the local teams? Yeah, of course. So we uh, we worked with the local the local sports teams, obviously the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and the United, uh, and they connected us with their fans through a survey project where we had the opportunity to ask them about the fan experience and why they were fans of the teams, uh, and we're able to collect that data and, and find insights that could tell us. You know why certain teams might attract certain groups of people, and, and why they were having success uh, just on a on a general scale. So I'll I'll pat myself on the back because I because I do think this is actually the coolest class project that I've ever seen. We were able to 
get the three major pro organizations. So for those of you not outside of Atlanta, the Falcons and the United are owned by the same organization. They essentially allowed us to survey across all of their email lists. And so, you know, the, the benefit for the teams was that this was what a chance for the Atlanta Hawks to see how Atlanta fans, sorry, Atlanta Falcons fans or Atlanta Braves fans perceive them. So it was a way to share information with Emory being this kind of focal hub for the, for the analysis. This, some of this information is proprietary. Okay? The, the information largely belongs to the teams. And I think to the class, I always said, it's like in some ways this is a great project. You guys will know more about Atlanta sports than just about anyone else out there, right? Because you're able to see how different fan bases react. And, and I also say, I'll sort of put this out there, in some ways the survey is a little bit hard to talk about because how many, how many questions do we have? It was 50 plus, I know. I, it seemed like it was hundreds to me. Yeah. Hundreds of responses, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so some questions might have more parts well, and I, this is interesting to me, you know, given an Atlanta sports guy. So what were some of your initial observations? And can you relate those to sort of, because you probably went into the survey with more preconceived notions than some of the other students in the class. Yeah. In particular, that year, the Falcons had just gone to the Super Bowl. So I think that creates a little bit of an interesting dynamic. But in particular, I hadn't really recognized up to that point how big the United were going to be. Right. Well, and let's take a step back. So. Yeah. When we did the survey, the Falcons were just coming off a Super Bowl appearance, and the Atlanta United had not played a match yet. Right. So, yeah, the, the fact that the Falcons were perceived so highly, that actually didn't really surprise me because of the success we had recently. But the United being a brand-new team, it kind of blew my mind how like they were. They were actually more popular than the Braves and the Hawks, uh, which from being an Atlanta native, that was a little bit... It hurt me a little bit just because they were brand new. but well, and, and I do remember that. It was like, and I don't remember in terms of, let's say, just sort of the, the overall ratings of how much preference there was for each team, but I do remember that the one thing that really popped with the United was the response rate. So the amount of enthusiasm for the it, it was almost like we had an early warning system, right? Yeah. I'm with you. I think when that first, you know, because this was, this was before, we, we, like I said, we ran the survey before the United kicked a ball. And I think they had the highest response rate of any of the mailing lists. I think you're right, yeah. There was a certain segment out there that was just ready for soccer in Atlanta. The transient nature of Atlanta kind of leads into that. The, the people that, and particularly young people who move here for a job, they are not tied to the Atlanta sports uh, mm-hmm. ecosystem. So the fact that they get a new team to sort of root for, I think, really drove a lot of that passion. Well, and, and I'll circle back to something you said before, right? It's, you know, if there is this phenomena of disrespecting Atlanta sports brands, almost looking down on Atlanta sports fans and brands, this was an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Our MBA program at, at Emory, I mean, how many folks are from Atlanta? Out of the, the 180, there's probably definitely less than a quarter less than a quarter so you meet a lot of folks and so where are these other folks coming down from it's mainly sort of the mid-atlantic northeast northeast yeah are the folks that you know you kind of meet through a program like this are they similar to the ones that you meet sort of in the wild in the public in terms of sports attitudes yeah uh, on a basic level yeah they're, they're very similar in terms of the the broad net that they cast okay and, and so in terms of your, like your cohort, your, your peers, 
did you see, I mean, so even beyond the survey, you saw the kind of the United Way of covering? Yeah, a couple of my classmates were very, very interested in it. Um, and were those folks that had like allegiances to other pro teams and sort of looked down on Atlanta teams? I don't think they had a soccer team that they right. paid attention to, but yeah, they all had their own, you know, team that they were very passionate about. It, it might have even been a college team, but still, they, they felt very, very passionate about that team. And I think the fact that there weren't any Atlanta ties to the United at that point allowed mm -hmm. them to be sort of a, uh, an early stage investor, if you will, in the team. Mm -hmm. A psychic, a sort of a psychic investment, right? Yeah. Because that was the fascinating thing. They, people were all in before before anything. People were all in before they had a roster. Yeah. Okay. How about yourself? I, I pay attention to them and I, I like them. I'm still, because I just... Are you a soccer guy? I'm not a soccer guy, so that's probably a reason why I'm not as big of a fan as I could be. But, you know, World Cup comes around, I'm I'm always watching the matches. But, yeah, ML, I think it might just be a product of MLS not being uh, on the same level as some of the European leagues. I, I think as an you know, someone considerably older than you, JT, one of the things, I've always had doubts about soccer because my whole life, it's always been the situation where soccer was going to be the next big thing. Mm -hmm. And soccer never seemed to arrive until 2017 in Atlanta, and then it, then it seemed to completely arrive. Okay, so soccer, I think, was one of the, to me, one of the real kind of key takeaways and, and like this deeper story of, well, why is soccer working? And maybe it's the youth of the city and the fact that transplants may not, they, you know, I got a basketball team, I got a baseball team, I don't have a soccer team. The other thing that um, I thought was interesting in this, in the survey, and you alluded to it, you made a comment that some of your other, you know, some of the other folks in your age range had college allegiances. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on the Atlanta market in terms of college sports? I'd say that it's, Probably the opposite scenario as the professional teams uh, prior to the United coming. It seems like college football is sort of the the consistent force within the market that people have their team. They have a, there's an excitement there that's always there that I think Atlanta sports teams just don't always have. Do you think of Atlanta as a more of a college sports town or a pro sports town? It's definitely a college sports town at the moment. Okay, college sports town. Well, I I I actually think. The pro teams are making some headway. For, I, I got here in 2010, and I, I think the pro teams are, I would have called it a college town back in 2010. Mm -hmm. it, the pro teams are definitely making it more of a pro town, but it, it's because it's so close to SEC country and ACC country that I think well, it just Let me ask you this. It's sort of kind of a history right. lesson on this. How did you perceive it when, you were, when the Braves were successful, pro town or college town? It might have just been a product of my youth, but it was a pro town. Pro town. The Braves basically owned Atlanta. Okay, so the Braves did own Atlanta. It just might not, uh, you know, probably didn't sustain at the level of, let's say, you know, some of the, the Yankees or the Red Sox mm -hmm. or, the, or the Cubs. So within the college market, because I, and I, and look, I, I love college sports. Mm -hmm. and, and I love kind of the, one of the things that I think is really fascinating is even how people divide along college sports in Atlanta. When you say it's a college town, what do you really mean? So describe how the college town aspects of this. Basketball, football, Tech versus UGA. You know, probably back in the 90s, Tech versus UGA was a bigger rivalry uh, in football. Uh, I know it's it's kind of gone the other direction lately where UGA is pretty much... Tech the, won the a national dog. championship in the 90s, didn't they? Yeah, 92. 92? I, I believe it was 92. Um, 
which is interesting, you know, because UGA hasn't won a championship since the, the mid-'80s, and yet somehow they're still carrying the, the flagpole for, for college football. Okay, and so, and so this, this is great. It's like, you know, I love when a little bit of fandom comes in. Just the way you said that, JT, of UGA has not won anything since the 80s. It's kind of beautifully done. <laughs> Who's the big brand locally? It's definitely UGA. It's, it's, and that's my, it's almost like that's my perception from driving around and seeing the uh, magnets on the, back of, uh, on the back of the Ford F-150s down here. Mm-hmm. Now, college basketball? Oh, that's a tough one. There's not a whole lot of allegiance. I think Georgia Tech still gets more respect than the other, local, the other I think, regional teams. I think Tech was bigger before your time. Yeah, the Bobby Kremens kind of era. Lethal Weapon. I just I missed out on that by by a couple yeah. of years. And one of the things that I always, I thought was interesting when I got down here and I went to a Tech basketball game was actually the size of that arena. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, how many how many people does the Tech arena seat? I can't remember, but they downsized it when they rebuilt it. Yeah, they they definitely downsized it. And so as an ACC program, I when I went walked in there initially, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be like a 16, 18, 20,000 person arena. And I think it feels more like an 8,000 person arena. Yeah, it's somewhere between 8 and 12, I think. It, it's, the right number. it's very nicely done, yeah. but it feels it feels small. Mm-hmm. Okay. So college football. Now, so the college football town, dominant to the SEC, mm-hmm. like the rest of the Southeast. How do you think that plays into, or what did you get out of the survey? You know, how does the I was sort of the uh, the big UGA dog and the, the the UGA elephant in the room. How do you think that affects Atlanta fandom? And you say, you know, what did you get out of the survey or just, you know, growing up here? What do you think? How do you think it works? It was interesting to see that there's sort of a correlation between UGA fandom and, say, Falcons and uh, Braves fandom, whereas the Hawks and United was sort of, I, I think just in general, there was sort of a, a cross between the, the two, a Hawks and, and United were a little bit younger, a little bit more edgy, and they had their own sort of segment, and then the other ones sort of migrated the, uh, together. Well, I remember at one point we did some factor analysis of that, mm-hmm. and I do remember the, the pattern you're talking about. You know, factor analysis is a statistical technique where you essentially you look at correlations between a bunch of variables. So in this case, correlations between fandom across a variety of, of brands or, or, or teams. Folks tended to be fans of UGA and the Braves, or they kind of went in that other direction. Yeah, it's kind of like an old school allegiance versus new school edginess. When I think of sports fandom, it's like no one wants to touch this, but it it's about culture, right? Sports are about our local culture, mm-hmm. our local Atlanta culture. And so as the local culture changes, Via, I mean, this city has doubled in size since you were a kid. Yeah. And so you've had a lot of folks move into it with different allegiances, um, different demographically, perhaps. Is it almost what you might expect that you're going to see a a split in terms of the the sports culture? Yeah, it was probably expected. And maybe, you know, and and this is one of the things that I love having these conversations because, you know, things occur. You know, maybe part of the issue with the transplants here, and I think I mentioned it earlier, is that, you know, we're not Boston. If you move to Boston, got the Patriots, the Celtics, is it easy to become a fan of those? No. No? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, okay. <laughs> I, I think I might get dragged into being <laughs> like a pseudo-fan, but I, I've never fully embraced it. 
Well, and that and, and that actually show, tells me something about you, right? You're like a high character guy. It's like I can only root for one team. But if you're a fan that is, um, let me sort of switch this out. You're you're a fan that didn't grow up with real passion. Mm-hmm. You're a fan that likes the idea of being associated with the team because it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, you move to Atlanta versus you move to Boston. If I'm interested in kind of wearing the jersey and looking cool, throwing on the Patriots jersey versus the, and, and again, this, this is what's great about this, the consumer behaviors. I think you can't get into this question because you're like, I'm a Falcons fan. I'm a Braves fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, that actually, it probably points to a deeper rooted sort of cultural aesthetic of Atlanta that we do care about what's cool, what's hip, what's sort of in versus the heritage has a place, but it, it's not the end all be all that a place like Boston probably is, is more uh, focused on. Yeah. Well, but I'm talking from the outside. Oh, from the outside? So you just yeah. move to a new city. Is it easier to adapt to, and maybe this is kind of straight, really a straight marketing kind of question. So you move to a city with you know, high, high profile brands or teams Versus if you move to a city with relatively low profile brands. I mean, we could, we could take Atlanta out of it. Is it easier to move to a city and become a cowboy, move to Dallas and become a Cowboys fan, or move to Jacksonville and become a Jags fan? Right. Yeah, there's a low bar of sort of knowledge about the brand before you can, you can well, acquire or, it. Or hard to adopt a brand yeah. that, you know, you, from the outside, maybe you don't have a positive association with the Atlanta brands. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah, the, the sort of tribalism within sports kind of puts those walls up that it makes it difficult to, to take on a new team. The right. tribalism within sports or within the cities? Could be both. But the fact that you're competing against one another every year, it makes it hard to see that as a something you can absorb rather than they're always no. a competitor. I agree with that. And it, it, so it, it's hard to it's hard to love a team. It, you know, it's, it's hard to say I'm rooting for this team when last year I was rooting against that team. Right? Yeah. You want everyone to lose to some extent. <laughs> okay, any other any other takeaways or kind of interesting things you got out of the survey? I did notice there was kind of like a weird logarithmic element to Atlanta We're getting fans. technical today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in, in essence, the fans who noted that they were very large fans accounted for an even higher proportion of the, the sample than we thought, or than my, my group had uh, hypothesized you know you'd think that there's sort of a certain number of people that are casual fans then somewhat passionate and then really passionate fans Mm -hmm. you think that's sort of linear in the relationship and the data showed that it was actually more of the really passionate fans were a big portion of the of the sample which it could have just been the the fact that the super bowl had just happened that year but yeah so that so you were you were surprised by the number of the number of almost call it super fans yeah I mean, and that, that's an interesting point. You know, Atlanta might take a beating in terms of, you know, how people regard Atlanta fans, but there probably are a good chunk of super fans, mm-hmm. right? The, the, so Atlanta fans that are probably as, every bit as loyal as any Chicago, Boston, New York fan. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, a, well, this is a little bit of a different question. You're, you're looking at this kind of survey results. You asked a bunch of questions about allegiances and where these things come from. And you've also grown up in Atlanta. Do you have any sort of prescriptive advice for the Atlanta teams? That was actually another insight we got from the survey was that there's a 
pretty strong correlation between each of the the fanhoods of of the individual teams and some of the data we got back was that those kind of led into Atlanta fandom so really what we found is that if you could create a fan from one team they tended to have positive associations with other teams and therefore would drive their overall Atlanta fandom mm. so really you only needed to hit on one to get a, an Atlanta fan that's interesting so customer acquisition to Atlanta fandom can almost come from any of the teams mm-hmm. once you get them in the door you can spread that loyalty to all of the teams yeah it's an interesting idea <laughs> just got to work on on your base and um, ultimately you can sort of spread that into the, the additional well it, and it suggests some avenues of cooperation across the clubs perhaps exactly and, I, and I'll tell you as a as a Chicago fan you know as a guy that grew up in Chicago I think there's there's some logic to that right in that I do think you know a lot of times people are like well what, what team are you a fan of and the the answer is always oh all of them Cubs Bulls Bears etc I used to throw in the White Sox too but but in general, you know, it's like being a sports fan gets you to all those things. JT, I want to thank you very much for coming in. Like I said, this is, this is hopefully part one of a series on the Atlanta sports market where we'll talk to a variety of folks in some of the local teams and some of the academic folks interested in the economics of sports. So this is part one. Thanks very much for talking, having the conversation, JT. Appreciate you having me. There's more on the InfluentialAnalytics.com website. Till next time, thanks.